afraid to speak my mind with certain people for fear of rejection. And you know what got me through that was I did it once. I realized the next morning I'm still a child of God. Oh, yes. (laughs) I survived it. So sometimes it takes not only that spiritual thing, but it takes a step of faith of saying, okay, I'm going to take a risk and and do the thing that I'm scared to death. And then I'm going to realize I'm alive. I'm okay. Hey, welcome to the Resolutions Podcast, where we like to turn difficult topics into helpful conversation. I'm your host, Chris Campbell, along with our co-host, Michael Gum. Hey, everybody. So today we're going to be starting a two-part podcast on fear and anxiety. Uh, Now, those are two very uncomfortable subjects that represent the most common types of disorders we find in the fields of counseling, wellness, spirituality. And Michael, we've paired these two topics together because they often produce the same types of internal dread or nervous reactions, uh, but there's a difference between fear and anxiety. You want to try to guess what the main difference is between those two? Well, I'm not entirely sure that I can guess. Um, they, they, I, they seem to kind of run together in my head as the same thing, but uh, you've made it very clear to me they're, they're two different things. So. <laughs> Nothing like putting uh, the co-host on the spot here at the time. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get my notes, how, right? How <laughs> dumb can you make me look on a podcast? <laughs> that, that'll be the goal. No, not a lot of people realize that because most of the time uh, people sort of categorize fear and anxiety in the same you know, space, but fear has an object. There's usually a a fear object associated with something that is triggering, you know, a sense of of fear in Mm -hmm. us, whether it's fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is does not have an object per se, but it's rather a a pending sense of failure or doom uh, that can, uh, you know, definitely increase over time, override our thinking and it can wear us out much like fear. So, wow. yeah, so it's there, there's, it's sort of the same, but they're different. And so, uh, you know, I, I thought it might just be really helpful to give ample discussion to both of these disorders. And so in order to do so, we're, we're going to create a part one and part two of this particular podcast. And today uh, we're going to talk about fear and how we can find freedom from fear, even the type of fear that can take over our minds in very inhibiting and unhealthy ways. Our guest today is Rich Miller. Uh, Rich is the president of Freedom in Christ Ministries USA. Uh, he has a counseling degree, just a wealth of experience. Uh, on top of that, I will tell you that Rich has a down-to-earth quality about him that you'll hear in the interview. He is He is a man with sage-like observations and a deep conviction over the trustworthiness of God and the power of prayer. And uh, and I've benefited as having him as one of my mentors for going on 15 years now. So I'm excited to jump in uh, to the interview. And at the end of the the interview, uh, Michael, you and I will be back and uh, we'll wrap up and have some helpful resources uh, for somebody who's listening or somebody uh, that you may know who struggles with fear. All right. Hey, everyone. I'm here in the National Office of Freedom in Christ Ministries, USA, Knoxville, Tennessee, and it's my pleasure to welcome Rich Miller. He's the president of Freedom in Christ Ministries, USA. 
Rich, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me on your show. <laughs> All right. We're going to try to uh, to keep it as serious as we can. Rich and I love to be around each other. We typically uh, find a way to get into mischief, but uh, <laughs> we will be uh, 100% focused. Um, we have had a wonderful opportunity uh, to reconnect today. Uh, it's a beautiful afternoon here in Knoxville. And uh, while we're still here, I thought it would be great uh, for me to introduce our podcast listeners to you. And specifically, I want to talk a little bit about uh, overcoming one of the most common disorders in our culture, that being anxiety. So uh, hopefully we won't stress each other out while trying to record on the fly here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we make no guarantees. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so Rich, we've known each other, uh, I think, for pretty much the entire time you've held mm -hmm. the position of president here at Freedom in Christ Ministries. Uh, how many years is that? It's 13 years now. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I thought. So, um, looking back, just what's been the most rewarding aspects of your time as president? Well, uh, the ministry of Freedom in Christ has been through its ups and downs like any ministry has. And when I took over, uh, in uh, 2006, the ministry was in a rough place, let me put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and seeing God do incredible healing uh, around the world with people uh, and seeing the ministry go from a place of, what are we going to do next? Because Neil Anderson was no longer the hot commodity as a, as a conference speaker. Uh, what's our next strategy? And God giving us that strategy and seeing us go from a handful of staff to now over 300 volunteers and uh, wow. staff all over the country right, right. Uh, has been very exciting to see. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's an old saying that pertains to leadership that I love. I don't know who came up with it, but regardless of what type of leadership role you're stepping into, uh, you know, the old proverb is start in the way that you mean to go, mm -hmm. right? And with you, I, I the thing that struck me most, you know, and still strikes me about you is your deep conviction over prayer, yeah. you know, start in the way that you mean to go. And I think for you, that's the way of prayer. So can yeah. you talk about that a little oh, bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, one of the things that happened, I got a chance to be involved with another ministry and saw them having a, a prayer meeting with their board of directors, which they would do every week. So we brought that back, imported that into Freedom in Christ. And for over probably 15 years now, our board of directors has got together on the phone and prayed together mm -hmm. for the ministry uh, every Tuesday morning. Yeah. Uh, and so it's great because when the board of directors gets together face-to-face, -to -face, we know and love each other you know, right. because of that. Uh, we have also uh, seen numerous times we've had 40 days of prayer efforts and prayer and fasting for the ministry. Uh, we divided the country up into seven regions, and most of the regions have a regional prayer director, and some of the states have uh, state prayer directors, so that prayer is at the, the focal point of what we're doing. Uh, there's a man by the name of Armin Gesswine who's with the Lord now, and his motto for life was everything by prayer, mm. taken right out of Philippians 4, 6, and 7, everything by prayer and supplication. So by the grace of God, uh, that's what we try to do here. Yeah, and, and, and it shows. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think the thing, even though I knew that about you, I think the thing that really, uh, as I look back, that stands out about prayer and just that uh, the way that the, the foundation of prayer and the way ministry is built on that is uh, not long after you took the position of president here with Freedom and Grace Ministries USA, uh, there was a setback with your health. 
and and I remember it clearly. Uh, it involved it involved your heart, right? Correct. What right. what happened? That's right. Well, um, I, I developed a condition, uh, an arrhythmia of my heart. I didn't know what it was, um, and some people said, "Well, you need to see a doctor about it." And I kind of put it off for a while, and then finally, I went to the doctor, uh, and they put a gizmo on me to monitor my heart. And so whenever it would start racing you know i would press a button it would record what it was it turned yeah. out to be ventricular tachycardia which is not a good thing to have yeah. <laughs> um and uh <clears throat> so uh, a lot a lot of craziness happened with this but uh i i got a hold of the um uh the doctor on the other end of the phone and said well do you think i should go to the hospital and i said well i don't know uh and it said oh well let's call the ambulance and so i remember being at my house and hearing this siren you know in the background and so they're coming for me you know yeah. and and so don't get off the phone the guy on the other end said so i put it down and went out in the front deck and said i'm the guy you want you know uh, and he said well we don't usually get get uh welcomed by our victims here you know um so they took me to the hospital after three hours they couldn't get my heart to um slow down so they had to cardiovert me which is like clear you know, yeah with those things yeah uh and i was conscious while they did that but i don't remember it because they give you a little amnesiac that makes you forget that you really? had this very shocking experience yeah. Yeah. and i'm thinking it's like a black pen that they hope now <laughs> well the thing that struck me flash. is let's just give people a longer dose a bigger dose of that and it will It'll solve all the counseling problems. <laughs> they won't remember anything in their lives. So anyway, um, they put a uh, pacemaker defibrillator in my chest. This was in November of 2006. While I was waiting for that to happen, uh, there were eight different crises in the ministry at that time yes. that I was trying to navigate the ministry through. Big, big Big problems, right? And Things that could derail. kill the ministry. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Any one of them could have. Um, and I remember being in my hospital bed, and whether I said it out loud or just yelled in my heart to God, I said, I don't have time for this. And I remember the Lord saying very clearly, you don't not have time for this. This is what I've called you to. And, uh, and I had a sense, almost a vision, of eight tennis balls sitting on my chest, um, representing the eight crises and the Lord saying to me very gently very sweetly why don't you give them to me mm. it's like I've <laughs> been a Christian for how many years finally dawned on me maybe I should so I I sort of tossed them up and I had the sense of God sort of snatching them out of the air one by one and at the end of that it was like okay God's got this now wow. well the end of the story was Chris that uh, 18 months later, in spite of half of what I tried to do to fix the problems, God solved all eight of those problems, and the ministry has never been in a healthier place than it is now. Yeah. Uh, and what what a what an example, what a lesson to learn that um, God really has it all under control. He's got this. He's got our back. And I needed to learn that in a fresh way, and he had a very unique way of teaching me that. And, and I think the discipline of prayer lends itself to that because when you are flat on your back yeah. and when your mind wants to race in the worst-case scenarios, yeah. the, the prayer helps our, our thoughts to drift heavenward, yeah. right? Yeah, and exactly right. Well, yeah, and um, you know we're to cast all our anxieties onto Christ cause, mm. because he cares for us. You know, and, and if you don't really believe that, 
if you don't really believe that God can be trusted and he doesn't really care for you and he's not looking out for you, how can you cast your anxieties on him? Right. So it all starts with an apprehension, uh, a realization that this God delights in us. He, mm. he, he wants us to be successful. Um, you know, I, I think of what David wrote. He said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Mm. Um, well, David went to God because he knew God was trustworthy. Uh, and so I think the big battle is, can God be counted on? Because uh, wow. if if God can't be counted yeah. on, if we don't think he is, then we're forced to lean on our own understanding. And mm-hmm. that's really what anxiety and worry is. We ruminate and we, we wrestle with this thing and we're trying to figure it all out in our minds and all that. Uh, and what we're doing is leaning on our own understanding. In the midst of a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. A lot of things that we have no control over. You know, yeah. um, I, I got to tell you, Rich, uh, what I've always loved about you is your humility and your willingness to just really be transparent with, with everybody around you as you yeah. figure out what it means to walk with the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think this not only comes out in conversation, but it also mm-hmm. comes out in the way that you write. Mm-hmm. And what our listeners may, may not realize is that you're an accomplished writer. How, how many books have you now authored or co-authored? Probably more than I've read. Um, <laughs> I don't know exactly. Probably, you know, uh, there've been a lot that have come and gone. You know, they don't stay in print forever. But probably twenty or so. I don't know how many, something like that. Well, you know, <laughs> with, <laughs> without a doubt, one of, one of my favorite books is a book that you uh, co-authored with with Neil Anderson, yeah. uh, founder of Freedom in Christ Ministry, a mm-hmm. friend of ours, and uh, it's t- it's entitled "Letting Go of Fear, mm-hmm. Putting Aside Your Anxious Thoughts." and embracing God's perspective. Uh, I use this book in the clinical setting all the time. I recommend it to many to many clients. Uh, the original content of that book was was even excellent. It was first published in what year? Uh, 1999. And it was, the uh, initial title was It was what? Freedom from Fear. Freedom from Fear. Kind of like the old Norman Rockwell painting, if you've ever seen it. Yeah. Uh, it's a great painting with this yeah. mom and dad with their two kids in bed. And the dad's holding a newspaper that talks about World War II. And the kids are sleeping quietly. And it was just a great picture of them wanting to protect their kids from fear. So that's that's a Norman Rockwell painting. That is pretty good. Now, yeah. for you millennials who have no idea who Norman Rockwell is, please please Google that. Google that, yes. He's, a, he's an icon of yeah. Americana. That's okay, right. so... Uh, <laughs> But the, uh, okay, yeah, which is, we're not about to tell you how old we are, but we are older. <laughs> <We're> so, older. <laughs> so, Chris is old, I'm much older. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so, but here, here's the thing, as I read for myself the new edition, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I benefit because I know a lot of your backstory, mm-hmm. just because of our friendship right. and, and our being around each other uh, so much. But, uh, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, your backstory and mm-hmm. how through the years, you know, you've learned how yeah. to overcome fear, yeah. anxiety, stress. Yeah, my, my whole life growing up really during uh, puberty, adolescence, was one long uh, anxiety attack almost. Uh, I mean, I just lived in the fear of rejection, the fear of being embarrassed. Part of it was because I grew up very fast uh, physically uh, and got really, really skinny. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're in middle school, whatever, they're all people always looking for someone lower on the food chain, you know, to attack. <laughs> yes, 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 I was that person, you yeah. know, and uh, and made fun of and and all this kind of stuff. It was very very hard for me. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'll be really vulnerable here. My best friend growing up was my dog. Wow. 
because after a day in the battle at school where I just felt so rejected and so isolated and unloved, mm. I'd just climb over the fence and bury my face in his fur and cry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think that was a gift from God even before I knew God. Uh, so I had somewhere to go. Um, coming to Christ made a huge difference in all this. But uh, just an example, uh, junior year in high school, I um, was elected to the National Honor Society. Uh, everyone was going to be honored, which meant going up on stage right, in right. front of the whole student body. And so I walked the halls uh, because I was not going to subject myself to that kind of uh, ridicule, potential wow. ridicule. Wow, um, yeah. So uh, that, w- that was a, a big deal for me. And the fear of man... We talk about that in the books. Yeah, um, it makes you not say, not speak up when you should. You're afraid of rejection, embarrassment. That was the way I lived mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, um, when you talk about fear and how it dominates us, anxiety, how it dominates us. I mean, we we would call that in some circles. We we'd say that's a burden, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, maybe maybe tennis balls are not that heavy, but. But they represent a burden, you know. And it's interesting you place you vision those on your chest. Yeah. Sometimes when uh, when I'm working, especially with younger clients, and I can tell that they're just they're stressed, they're having they're on the verge of a panic attack or anxiety. I'll, I'll actually I'll have them point to the place that they feel it, mm. and many times they'll point at their chest yeah. or their throat yeah. or their head. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. a real manifestation physically yeah. in our yeah. bodies, and yeah. you know. So when we talk about, you know, and especially in the book, you know, uh, where the reader has a, an opportunity to really explore what does it mean to walk lighter? What does it mean to offload your burdens onto God? Yeah. Uh, you know, help us. Uh, yeah. Can you describe, I mean, like for you, what does it mean to, to really let go of fear and anxiety? You know, it's interesting. Um, in in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where it says, Be anxious for nothing, mm-hmm. but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Yes. There's a huge part of that that we miss oftentimes, and it's thanksgiving. Uh, because uh, as you're praying about something, say mm-hmm. you're really worried about something, when you can come to a place of saying, Thank you, Lord, that you're in control of this. Thank you, Lord, that you've got this, even though I can't see it. I know you're there. Uh, If you leave out the thanksgiving, you end up with what I call yo-yo prayers. Um, You cast it on the Lord, and then you take it back again. You cast it on the Lord, and you take it back. And and you're ruminating on it, and and it's ruining you as you're ruminating on it. Um, And so that's... uh, to me, that's that's a big part of it. The other thing that's kind of practical about it is I used to be really afraid to speak my mind with certain people mm. um, for fear of rejection. And you know what got me through that? I to realize was I did it once, and I realized the next morning I'm still a child of God. Oh, <laughs> yes. Right. I survived it. How did it influence your – or how did it impact your identity? It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. Yeah. Uh, and even though it was a little hard, a little – risky, a little bit tense at that point, uh, it was like breaking that fear because, um, well, we say in the book, do the thing you fear the most and the death of fear is certain. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what it is. So sometimes it takes not only that spiritual thing, but it takes a step of faith of saying, okay, I'm going to, uh, to take a risk and, and do the thing that I'm scared to death and then I'm going to realize 
I'm alive. I'm okay. Right. You know? Right. And and to even circle back, I mean, because an aspect of that, teaching yourself that discipline comes with thanksgiving. Yeah. With thing. uh, you know, yeah. uh, I don't think I shared this with you before, but uh, that passage, Philippians 4, of course, that's, that's just such a, you know, a cornerstone passage yeah. of anybody that's pursuing God, seeking, you know, yeah. more and more of God's fullness in their life. And, uh, and I remember when my kids were young, I remember really, you know, looking at that passage and, and really trying to think that through. And I was praying about that with Thanksgiving. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, when my kids were, were old enough to talk, and we, we right away were teaching them how to prayer, pray. Yeah. And that would happen at, at night, bedtime yeah. prayers, right? Yeah. And, and uh, we, were, we never taught our kids to say the now I lay me down to sleep. Mm-hmm. It was, we wanted them to really be in the moment and conversational yeah. with God. And I will remember how when I was thinking about with Thanksgiving, you know, and you're in the middle of a lot of chaos or yeah. you're in the middle of a lot of a lot of pending doom, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember tucking my uh, my oldest. Well, I, both my kids would do this. And I remember they would in the middle of a prayer say, God, thank you for that milkshake today. Uh, that was very delicious. <laughs> well, you know? And it's like you, you sort of giggle when yeah, a kid does yeah. that, but at the same time it's like, yeah. oh, that's it. Yeah. Can yeah. I stop? And, and I remember yeah. I, I used to keep a notepad by my bed, and before yeah. I would go to sleep I would write three things down that I was thankful for yeah. <laughs> that yeah. day. That's great. And it does, yeah. it factors into not overthinking. Do we have yeah. to search high and low to be yeah. super thankful for something, yeah. or can we be thankful for the common grace. Well, I, I think too, you know, um, going back to can I really trust God as my father? You know, uh, depending upon what relationship someone might have or not have with their earthly dad, can certainly make it challenging and difficult to say, can I really trust God or is he just like That's my earthly dad was? Uh, can I tell a quick story? Yeah, please. Um, well, <clears throat> my son Brian, uh, who was uh, uh, probably about six or seven. <clears throat> at that age, uh, and he was very, very sick, uh, and uh, tossing and turning and sweating, and he was just feverish and all this stuff, and he was in bed, and I got a chair right next to uh, his bed, and I sat there, um, and I said, I want him to see my face when he wakes up in the middle of the night and know I'm still there, mm. caring for mm-hmm. him and watching okay. over him, and time after time that happened until finally he... <laughs> He went to sleep, and I probably dropped off to sleep somewhere in yeah. the middle of the night. But, you know, it's kind of like, to me, I wanted to paint a picture that that's what God is like. Mm-hmm. In your toughest time, no matter what you're going through, no matter how frenzied and distressed you are, you wake up and look, and God's right there. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Uh, and I just thought that was really a cool thing um, to give that picture to my son. Yeah, boy, that's that's really good. That's That's really good. So, Michael, yeah, after hearing that that interview, and again, just the the perspective that somebody like Rich brings, you know, especially to the subject of fear, uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, well, clearly he he does have uh, a lot of perspective to offer, and um, the the thing that that I came away from the interview being so impressed with is um, you can tell that this is just a guy that has clearly spent a lot of time in the Word, mm. a lot of time in Scripture, just because when he would talk, uh, Scripture references would just flow out of him. 
Um, and it was honestly, it was, it was a little bit convicting for me just because, you know, I, I think about like, if you're, if you're in a room talking to this guy, you're going to hear like five or six scripture references. Yeah, yeah. If you're in a room talking to me, you're going to hear me quote <laughs> the office. You're going to hear me quote Parks and Rec. Like, what are you going to hear from me? It's yeah, not going to be yeah. anything of substance, but this guy was just right on it. And it, gosh, if I, if I could quote scripture the same way that I could put quote Parks and Rec, I, I think that my, my conversations would probably have a lot more meaning. Well, it, it is convicting. And I, I, you know, I, I really thank the Lord when he puts people who are a little further down life's pathway. Mm-hmm. Rich, if you're listening, you're a lot further down life's pathway than I am. You're much older. But anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's like people who you look at and you go, there is something that has anchored their life. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. And when when he is just weaving God's word in and out of a conversation and it's coming from a place of not just conviction, but tested experience. Man, it's reassuring. Mm-hmm. It's like it's something that I can receive and just, you know, believe in. And, yeah, he uh, hasn't just memorized it uh, just out of the duty of it. He, it clearly means something to him. Yeah. It's integrated with who he is. Yeah, and I, and I – so, you know, drawing that back to just, you know, how do we – how do we really address fear in our life that has become irrational, that would seek to dominate us? So much of that comes out of God's trustworthiness. Can we believe God is good? Can mm-hmm. we believe that he's full of loving kindness? Can we believe that he cares yeah. You know, to, to watch over us and to be there in a moment where the imperfection of the world, the people we live with, mm-hmm. even our own bodily imperfections that we have to sometimes work through sure. uh, becomes apparent. You know, uh, Michael, let me put you on a spot here. Mm-hmm. And I know this is this is fresh in the moment here. But you you had a like a real health scare uh, earlier on, you yeah. know, in life. And uh, and I just wonder if you'd be okay with sharing that. Yeah, I, absolutely. I would. It was about 10 years ago, uh, a little more than 10 years ago. Um, I was uh, this was a week before uh, I, I was to be married. Uh, I, I was, I'd had uh, earlier that year. Uh, I, I had noticed that I was ha- having trouble playing guitar. Uh, my my hand was feeling weaker and didn't have the same range of motion that it used to. And so I had all these tests done. And so a week before my wedding, I'm sitting in a doctor's office. And a doctor is telling me that I have a brain malformation, uh, a Chiari malformation for anyone who may happen to have one, Hmm. um, that was leading to a spinal condition called syringomyelia. And syringomyelia causes weakness of the extremities. Hmm. And um, I I had not been familiar with any of those terms. Um, All I knew was the doctor that was in front of me giving me a worst case scenario of what my life would be like. Uh, he actually told my then fiance and I that we should probably call off our wedding mm. uh, because I would probably end up in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. That if uh, Melissa were to marry me, that she would end up my caretaker as well as my wife mm. uh, and that we really needed to think it through. And so in this bleak moment, wow. of very little hope uh, the doctor leaves the room and I just, I, I, I couldn't even speak. Beyond devastating. Yeah. Right. I mean, that hits you from nowhere. So, you know, so that's the freeze principle. 
which sure. is legit. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh-huh. uh, and uh, so what what was it like working through that? Because the person that sits across, you know, the table from me here in the studio room today is a person who's not governed by fear. I mean, like you, you live your life, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so what was, what was that like? Yeah. So was able to, to receive some prayer. And uh, as we were praying, I, I really started to, to feel a bit of peace mm-hmm. and, um, uh, I'm sure our listeners will, will be glad to know that I didn't take the advice of the doctor and the <laughs> fact that we did not postpone the right. wedding. We went through with yes. it. You actually officiated yes, that yes, wedding, yes. Uh, which which I, I, I thank you so much for. <laughs> uh, but 10 years later, we're still happily married. And um, yeah, from from there, uh, just continued to, to, you know, live my life. Um, but as we continued to kind of research the condition and get in touch with some doctors that, that specialized in, in the condition, uh, had a lot more hope, um, a, a lot better um, success rate from the people that I was talking to of, you know, this isn't going to be anywhere near as bad as what you thought. Um at least not likely anyway, and uh, had a surgery, uh, it corrected the, the issue, uh, it kept my, my hands from getting any weaker. Um, I still don't have the same range of motion or strength in my left hand, but I am able to still use what I have, and I had to kind of relearn the way that I play guitar. And I'm a worship leader for for the listeners that don't yeah, know, yeah. Um, but I, and I can still do that. I, I still have a lot that I can do, um, and uh, it's it's also the glory of God. He's given me everything that I that mm-hmm. I need, and here I am uh, actually working full time as a worship leader today. Yeah. Yeah. Were there moments like leading up to that, that surgical procedure or even afterwards where, you know, doubt or fear tried to creep in? And again, you know, our minds have a way of taking us to worst case scenarios. I think, I think our minds do that to sort of brace us for impact, but you know, did that ever happen to you? You know, I don't think it really did because uh, it was, it was a moment in my life that I realized um, when you kind of get backed into a corner and there's nothing else to do, all you can do is pray mm-hmm. and all you can do is is hope, is yeah. hope for the best. Uh, I, I really didn't take a lot of time to entertain the worst case scenario because, I, well, I think I just couldn't, mm-hmm. but um, I, I, it was just a, a situation where all I could do was trust. All I could do was hope. And so that's what I did, and here I am today. Yeah. Okay, so I love what you just shared there because it is so very, very practical. And and yet it, you know, I think it for many of us, it really points out one of the greatest challenges in our lives, and that is we're really, really limited with how much we have control over. It's true. You know, and when when you step into those moments where, you know, there's 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 something major here. You know that you're that you're contending with, and yet the amount that you have to exert influence or control over the situation is minimal. It's little. You know, from a from a strictly clinical psychological approach, you can you can step in. You can teach people how to manage anxiety and address fear and positive thinking and all that stuff. And to a certain extent. It will get you through. Sure. But, you know, what we advocate, you know, with, you know, the faith integration 
to what we're doing as far as we're, you know, we're addressing the issues of the human psyche, the soul, is what we're saying is, you know, when we are able to surrender our control and by faith we put our lives in God's hands, then we can have hope. We can have peace that will sort of take us through some very stormy situations. I mean, fair or unfair? Yeah, absolutely. That's, I, I, I think that's really the, the, the takeaway of, uh, of what I learned at that time of my life. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's an act of faith. It's putting your trust in God and knowing that uh, no matter what comes next, that God has ultimately everything as, as a, a part of his plan and that he loves us and he cares for us and genuinely wants the best for for us and his kingdom. Yeah, that's that's well said. You know, where you were where you were talking about that, my mind I think one of the best examples of having um, you know, a sense of peace even in a very fearful situation uh, in the Bible comes out of Acts 27. And, uh, you know, the book of Acts is the uh, historical record of the early church. It spans roughly 30 years or so. And there's a, towards the end of that book in the Bible, uh, there's the story of a shipwreck that happens with the Apostle Paul. Yeah. And we won't, you know, go into time here, but uh, I would encourage any listener to dive into that chapter and look at it because, uh, you know, God, uh, you know, had given Paul forewarning that there was about to be a shipwreck. And the situation that they found themselves in could have been preventable. The Apostle Paul warned, you know, the captain, the the centurion, we should not head out to sea. This is a risky time of year. But they wanted to push forward to make it to Rome. And so they find themselves very compromised out on the sea. And, uh, you know, they had struggled for days to try to to make it through just very poor weather conditions out on the seas. And they weren't going to make it. And, And God confirmed that. Uh, But God had told Paul that every life would be spared on the ship. Mm -hmm. And so Paul conveyed that information. And what a lot of the people heard, you know, the the shipmates and the captain and so forth, what they heard was the imminent shipwreck, not that everybody's going to be spared. And so Uh they started, you know, getting the lifeboats ready and figuring out who gets a lifeboat, who doesn't get a lifeboat. And the word of the Lord comes to Paul again and says, oh, no, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, all bets are off if you bail on the ship. Mm-hmm. We're not guaranteeing life that way. But if you stay on the ship, if you stay in there, then your life will be spared. Now, true enough, you know, thankfully, you know, the, the, the leadership on that vessel, they cut free those lifeboats and nobody, they took that option off the table. And as, as the story plays out, they, they did. They all survived this mm-hmm. shipwreck. But there's a role that we have to play by faith to stay on a ship that feels like it's sinking to see if God will deliver us. And I love that story in the Bible because, man, that's, you know, that's where, that's where it really, that's where real life really sort of fleshes out, Yeah, you know, with that. Um, And I heard an older pastor once, this was years ago. I, I don't even, I don't even think he was speaking on that, on that particular passage, but he was talking about fear. And he, he made this offhand remark that just always stuck with me. He, he said, it was his opinion, that the man or woman, or I would say boy or girl, teen guy or teen girl, whoever, who places their life in God's hands every day is virtually indestructible until their mission is complete and their time to move on 
to their reward has come. Hmm. And man, I find comfort in that. I find comfort in that, especially yeah. when we're talking about things that can unravel us, things that can unnerve us, especially fear that's related to death, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, any other thoughts You know, before we look to wrap up here with this episode? Well, the last thing you said just makes me think of, well, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Mm. Um, you know, if you just kind of take hold of, of that, that verse, then, um, you know, really there's, you know, no, no height, no depth, the, no, nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. And ultimately that's, um, that's, what's the most important. Um, so if we can just live our lives from, a, from that, that peace that comes from that, then I, I think we'd be a lot better off. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, we have a, a couple of resources here that I want to offer the listener, especially if they do struggle uh, with fear. And, uh, you know, when we've talked about uh, things that are powerful, things that are nearby proximity, those two things qualify as rational fear objects. Uh, you just said it. The most rational fear object would be God because sure. <laughs> he is all powerful yeah. and he is everywhere present. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. And so to be at peace and in oneness with the greatest fear object in the universe, that's a safe place. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the tools that we use in counseling, you know, really help people, you know, uh, wrap their minds around that and set them up to, by faith, embracing that. I mentioned one resource uh, during my interview with Rich. It's uh, it's a book called Letting Go of Fear. Put aside your anxious thoughts and embrace God's perspective. It's by Rich Miller and Neil T. Anderson. Uh, that book is available uh, at, as Rich said, the the Freedom in Christ uh, Ministry store, um, and we'll also put a link to that on the Resolutions Counseling website as well. Another really helpful tool that we use is an intervention tool that deals with fear. It's called the Steps to Freedom in Christ, and uh, there are many uh, things in our life that can uh, that can really trip us up and get us stuck. Uh, in a pattern of, uh, of, of habitual uh, things that will drag us down. Fear is one of those things, and there's a part of the Steps to Freedom in Christ uh, that allows you to address uh, you know, the issue of fear. We have a whole list of fears in that workbook that you can prayerfully work through. And then finally, uh, we have a what we call a stronghold buster of fear that sort of takes what Rich was doing. You're declaring you know, these truths of God's Word out loud over your life, and letting that, you know, the strength of the truth, you know, break the bondage of fear. The scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. And so we have some scriptures that we've uh, put together that really do express God's love for us, his goodness, his kindness. And we're going to make that available to listeners as well as a complimentary PDF, again, on the Resolutions Counseling website. So uh, hopefully that'll get you started, you know, with a a strategy for overcoming any fear that uh, you may be facing in your life. And again, this is part one of part two. Uh, Part two, when we pick up, uh, we're going to talk more about anxiety. What do we do when, you know, we're experiencing some of these same fear symptoms, but there's no real fear object? How do we overcome, you know, a sense of heightened stress, anxiety, even to the extent of panic in our lives? So we'll look forward to picking up the conversation next time. All right. All right. So for the Resolutions Podcast, I'm Chris Campbell. I'm Michael Gum, And uh, we'll catch you here next time.